I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of A Finer Touch Construction, and we are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, and entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT Construction is a local commercial and residential general contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our industry clients and network. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Sub-Zero Group Southwest, for making this episode possible. So if you're starting a new kitchen project, the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom. No matter who you are, a consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is ready to assist you throughout the entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom in North Scottsdale quite often. In fact, it's just a few blocks from my office, so it's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with the showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse the complete line of Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliances might look like in their home. The best part, consumers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the doors, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of the showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. So we're very excited to introduce our guest to you today, which is Emmy Diane, and she is an esthetician and also has her own product line, uh, which is also by the name Emmy Diane. And Emmy came on today. She has tremendous experience starting a company as a female business owner and gave some great insight, especially as she's developed into manufacturing and product development. And one of the terms that she uses in the podcast today is Silvis. And she said, you know, the sales and service, you know, it's a combination, how important that is to how we're communicating with our customers and creating that emotional journey, which is something that we talk about a lot in our channels. And Emmy Diane is no different. She um, speaks a lot about how important it is to understand the client, how to get to know them, how to utilize that with your sales, how to diversify your company and product base, you know, how to continue to um, invent new products and how that process where it starts and where it ends and all everything that goes into running a successful company, especially when you think about cash flow, which most of us um, is something that we must track all the time, especially in, in the trades and construction and, and design where you know, cash flow can be a challenge depending on uh, bills and deposits when everything's due. But Amy Diane also spoke about the importance of systems, you know, developing systems. How do we shadow? How do you train the staff? You know, how do you train your employees to have that same vision, that same care that you have as a business owner? So we really dove into that. And then of course, social media, which is a big crossover with Amy Diane. It's interesting that even someone who's an esthetician completely outside of my market, the crossover that she has and I have, uh, with our building company and the crossover with you know other clients that I've had on the podcast and and customers that you see this crossover and it's all because of social media it creates this web where we can all be connected even though we're in different scopes and products and uh, companies you know that aren't even the same scope of work 
but that's the importance of social media is how we put all this together and increase the size of our network, which brings opportunities and collaboration between different firms. So big thanks to Emmy for making time and you'll enjoy this episode. So welcome today to Construction Podcast. Today, we're fortunate to have on Emmy Diane. Welcome, Emmy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So Emmy's joining us from uh, Park City right now. And Emmy is an esthetician and CEO of Emmy Diane. And so Emmy's built this amazing company, um, skincare products, as among many other things. And I know my wife is a huge fan of your products, as you know. And so let me ask you this, Emmy, as we dive into this, you know, what is the key to any successful company. You know, we talk a lot about marketing and branding. So no matter the industry, you know, you're in a much different industry than I am. So what have you found to be key to reach that demographic that you're looking for? I would say that passion like drives everything. Um, you know, I have such a passion for skincare, having had problematic skin my whole life. I absolutely love um, helping others who are struggling with their skin. And I know that that's sort of the driving force behind um, the success of the company because without that passion and without that, um, you know, desire to help others, you know, I, I guess it just then becomes, you know, um, like a hobby. Um, and I think that that is what, you know, keeps me going day after day after day is, um, knowing the real change that I'm making for people. And I'm sure you can relate to that, you know, with your business and, you know, seeing the the change and difference that you make for, you know, the, the families you build homes for. So, well, that's great perspective. It's interesting. I think for anyone to be successful in business and you kind of hit that on the head, I mean, you said there has to be a passion. And so this is something that hit home for you personally. And, and now because of that, because you have a passion for it and you want to see other people's lives change, I'm sure that there's been inspiration and you've gained traction off of that. Just seeing people, their confidence change, you know, it's that emotional journey, right? That you can brand and market. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so talk us about, you know, how did that start? You know, being that, you know, you mentioned that you, you know, to get in skincare, you had some skincare challenges, you know, so what made you, were you always interested in, in the medical side, you know, going to be an esthetician or did that just kind of fall into place? Well, I, you know, I struggled with my skin from such a young age. And to be honest with you, I, I feel like I was born to be an esthetician and to work in that field because it's literally all that I ever wanted to do. So I feel lucky that, you know, I wasn't one of those people that, you know, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, it, it sort of just, it was, it just was in me all along. And um, you know, I, I started out in, um, sort of the spa aesthetics for many years and learned a lot of skills as far as customer service and, you know, how to treat clients. And then I did branch into the medical side where I worked for some, uh, doctors and helped open up a Medi spa in Marin County, which was amazing. So I got kind of more of the medical side of, um, of, you know, my knowledge. And from there, I really wanted to mix the two. Um, and that's when I branched out on my own um, and started a skincare practice that was really about the client and the experience that they have, but also very results driven. Um, so I wanted to make sure I blended the two together. Um, and, and that's sort of how uh, Emmy Diane 
became Emmy Diane. I will say though that um, I was kind of one of those birds that was you know pushed out of the nest because when I started my practice, I was actually fired by a doctor who um, unfortunately had some bad business and ethical practices that I didn't want to be a part of. So after getting fired, I um, you know I, I didn't really have a choice. It was either you know it's time to fly or you know <laughs> we'll call it a day. So. I decided to go for it and um, started out very, very small um, in my one bedroom apartment, in fact. And just over time, um, I was able to slowly grow the business to what it is today, which is far greater than I ever dreamed, quite frankly. So what's interesting is, you know, I think most people, it's very similar. Whenever I speak to entrepreneurs and people in any business, there's always this beginning. and and it's interesting. The beginning is different for everyone. You know, some people have always had experience in their field. Some people may be out of their field, but there's different traits that they learned, right? As business. And one thing you mentioned that I took note of, you said the client experience, you know, you'd worked in spas, the customer service, you know, which really positioned you because that client relationship is super important in any business. You know, for me as a builder, having that client relationship with my client is so important, right? Because there's comfort that they have in our conversations and meetings and throughout the journey of construction you know how does that apply to skincare i mean how do how does a client you know find peace and saying okay i have confidence in emma diane that it's not only just a positive interaction with her but it's also result driven right so how have you learned to kind of fine-tune that customer service um, part of your uh, company well i mean that's a good question and, and um you know i was thinking about this at one point where um, long time ago in my first job, they had a um, ongoing training, they would call it sell this. So it was like sort of selling and service because estheticians are not known to be good at selling products. <laughs> it's just not in our nature. Um, but I had um, learned through that, that, you know, I'm actually doing a huge disservice to my clients if I am not educating them on everything that they need to know about their skin, not just, you know, what we're going to do for their treatment and what the, the goals and, and the, um, you know, what to expect, but also what I need them to do at home as well. And so um, I always took away from that, that, you know, I actually was not doing a good job for them if I didn't give them all the tools and knowledge that they deserve and, um, and the how to. So to me, um, that is, that was a big aha moment because I don't really, and I still don't really see it in the um, spa aesthetics world. It's amazing to me. Um, or I think of, you know, when I get my hair done, there's been one person that has ever told me what, exactly what they want me to do at home for my hair, which I don't know hair, <laughs> anything about hair. <laughs> so, so to me, um, you know, that's a huge part of, I think, having a successful business, at least in the beauty industry, but I think that that's true too in any um, industry that the more knowledge that you give your client, you know, the better they're able to make a decision and, you know, not just about, you know, working with you, but also, you know, to have that rapport and also um, that relationship where, you know, you work well together and you find um, the solutions for the, the client, whether it be skincare products or whether it be like for you, you know, what um, building materials or, you know, who you're going to connect them with for vendors. Um, but that's true in all cases, I think. So the more you give to your clients, I think the better it is. 
I, I love that you shared that. It's interesting because that term service, I'm going to have to remember that because there's the sell side, there's the service side, and they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And it's super important. And and you made some points there that really applied to me. I, I've looked back, you know, at our company and where we've made mistakes, you know, as a builder, you know, there's a lot of things to me that are common knowledge, right? Like, you know, maintenance of a house and certain things to do to upkeep wood flooring or other products in the house. But my customers probably don't know that, you know, even if you're buying a vehicle, you may not know all the different service things for this vehicle. And you mentioned that with skincare, right? Or your hair, the example you gave Emmy that, you know, you may, you know, the good hairstylists are the ones that give you a, a checklist, if you will, of things to do to maintain it after your consultation and, and service appointment. And so that's really important because where we've had the breakdowns of communication is where we're not laying that plan out where our customers now have a clear vision and we're setting them up for success. We're setting them up with that knowledge. Absolutely. I think that that's absolutely key. Um, And not only, you know, just doing the best job for them, but also having that rapport with the client, which is everything. So how do you instill, I mean, one of the challenges, you know, for you as you built a successful company now, it's one thing when it's Emmy Diane, right? You've had this experience, you've, you know, worked in the spa, you understand the client relationship. And, you know, when you're doing that one-on-one consultation, you have that candor, that comfort, that knowledge, you know, how do you now instill this in everyone that works for the Emmy Diane brand? You know, how do you make sure that everyone on that totem pole and, you know, through that chain that they're all linked and, and speaking the same tone, speaking the same language? That's a, that's a challenging one. Um, I I actually um, recently because of the growth of the business and just how I really needed to tend to more of the business side, I've had to step away from the treatment room. So I'm actually not in the treatment room anymore, but I did train uh, my esthetician, Danny, who is truly amazing. Um, She trained with me for, you know, at least four to five months, um, day in, day out, just, um, you know, going over all of the information that she needs to know. And she actually started with me as a client, which was really helpful because she walks the talk herself. So big part of that is, you know, the, you know, all of my employees are users and believers of the product. Um, but especially those who are touching base with the, the customers, you know, it's, it's almost like, um, I feel like the training that we do with them, it's like, do you remember those um, build your own or make your own adventure books? Yeah. Or, you know, you turn to one page and you got to choose two things. And I feel like that's kind of how the training went because there's not really one streamlined, you know, answer or way to explain things to clients. And, and so that takes a lot of time and a lot of um, hands-on working knowledge. So, um, you know, that my my team that's been with me and um, has been with me for quite a while and, and they've got it down, um, which is awesome. So, yeah. but it just, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of um, dedication on their part and, and, you know, my part too. And, um, but it all kind of comes together and, and they definitely are um, super excited when they have a hand in the success of our clients for sure. Well, I, I would imagine it's a little complicated too, because when you're dealing with people you know, in skin conditions, everyone's going to be different. They're going to have different challenges, different issues. Things are important to them, you know, depending, especially I, I would imagine on parts of the country, depending on sun exposure. So there's all these elements that it's not so um, straightforward. You know, it's very fluid because it's going to be a case by case basis. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that's what makes it tricky, but that's also what makes it interesting and fun. So, um, and I, I've always said that, you know, there is a solution to anything, but sometimes we just have to dig a little bit deeper, you know, and um, uncover, you know, what these differences are for the, either the client, where they live, what they eat, what they do. I mean, all, all sorts of different um, uh, factors. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and one thing you said that I liked, you, you had talked about Danny, your esthetician there, that she had shadowed you for four to six months. And I think that's one thing that every company should do a little more of. It was interesting as it relates to building. I was networking with a builder out in California and, um, you know, their mentality is, you know, we like to hire our staff that doesn't have a ton of experience. And the reason being is because I can teach them my way. I could teach them our methods and our protocols as a company. And what they do is they they don't just kick them off the end of the pier and say, okay, go figure it out. I mean, you know, here you go, go figure it out with these clients. You know, they're saying, okay, you're going to have four to six months uh, uh, shadowing this project manager, shadowing the superintendent who's been experienced, well-versed, understands the company culture. So they get ingrained for six months of the communication and the day-to-day. And what ends up happening now, they understand the culture and they can now implement it and go on their own. And so in essence, I mean, that's something you're already practicing is that you're having someone shadow and so that's that's the easiest way, especially where you're working with something as fluid as you are, where every case is different. Now someone at least understands how Emmy would handle it if it were you. Mm-hmm, totally. And I, I would say, you know, even for me, there's new things I'm constantly learning. Like, for example, right now with, um, you know, COVID-19, everybody's wearing masks and oh my gosh, that is doing such a number on skin, um, whether it be breakouts or dryness or irritation. And so, you know, having to like learn and figure out how do we navigate this and make sure that people take care of their skin, you know, with these masks. So there's always something new. There's you know have to work on figuring out and um and you know i think too that collaboratively with a team um it it's easier and better because everybody has different experience to bring to the table too so how do you get up to speed that quick because you know covid's going to impact me a lot different than you and where you're dealing with skincare where now you know people's faces are covered and they could have breakouts or they could have different um you know things happen how are you you know, how do you educate yourself? How do you, you know, factor that? How do you diagnose it and give them treatments, you know, because that's almost learning on the fly like most of us are right now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, well, you know, I would say the first, it would come from my own personal experience. So me experiencing it myself and seeing like what happens. And, you know, fortunately I do have very problematic skin, like I said. So, um, you know, I am one of the best guinea pigs for (laughs) sure. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, learning and hearing also from other, um, skin professionals, I do like to, um, you know, connect with other estheticians around the country and kind of see, you know, what they're finding as solutions. Um, so, you know, I think definitely networking with other people is, is huge. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this COVID thing is definitely throwing us all for a a loop. And one thing that we did do too, in the 
the beginning is um, I was actually able to um, talk with one of my labs and formulate hand sanitizer right out of the gate. And this is one thing that um, I personally am, am really proud of and proud of my team and um, uh, my husband, Kirk, he, you know, he had a hand in this, but we actually included a free hand sanitizer with every order. Um, people could still order it, but we just felt like, you know, maybe this is a way we could do a small part um, and help people. But yeah. I love, I love that you did that. Yeah. It's something we're all trying to figure out. What's interesting though, you had talked about too, just the networking, because one thing that's really important for any industry is that you're networking with like-minded professionals, right. And, mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, some of the trial trials that they're having trial by fire, some of the experience and mistakes they've made. And now you can apply those and for quicker growth and, you know, social media, I found is a great connector for that because, mm-hmm. You know, I found just in my own network to network with different builders and architects and designers throughout the country and see how we can better our process and refine our systems more. But one thing that's really interesting about social media, and I know you're very active on social media that we can talk about now, is that I I see the crossover, too. It's funny because we have a client now that we're building for, you know, these clients because the wife is like, I see Emmy Diane. You know, I see Emmy Diane. I know that you know her. You're connected to Instagram. You know, there's a cosmetic dentist, uh, Dr. Brian Harris, that, you know, we built for. And one of my customers now is having work done by Brian. And it's funny that they find each other, you know, in totally different markets. Your market's totally different than mine, yet we have clients that work with you and work with me in that crossover. Totally. It's awesome. I love it. (laughs) So how has social media changed? I mean, when did you, you know, going back, I guess before we uh, bring in the social media side. I mean, you had talked earlier in the conversation, you know, this humble beginning that, you know, you're, you were kind of forced on your own. You're in this one bedroom apartment, you know, and you're starting your own business. I mean, where did you start as a small business owner, anyone listening, you know, what were those first steps? How did you figure out, okay, do, do I come up with a name? Do I come up with my licensing, you know, product, you know, how did, how did that process start? Oh gosh, that's so multifaceted. So actually, um, when I, when I started my business, I started with a different skin, a, a different name for my company. And um, it was shortly after um, I decided that I wanted to start formulating my own skincare products and I needed to trademark my business name. And I, I went through a lawyer and did that whole process. And it, it had turned out that somebody had actually already filed a 1B trademark on that name and um with a little investigating it was actually somebody who knew what i was doing and snagged it before i could get to it and i was devastated um i (laughs) i was told i could probably fight it and win um but you know the amount of time and money it wouldn't be worth it and so um that's when i sort of reached out and networked with some of my friends who are in marketing and to come up with another name and that's when they kept saying to me they're like your name is so it's such a, a you know good name for a brand emmy diane and at the time i thought oh my gosh that is so pretentious i would <laughs> never do that and so um that i listened to them Oh, and it, that's kind of um, the name of the company came to be. Um, and but it was a huge shift. I mean, I had already had labels printed for product and everything. It was just it was devastating. But in the end, I feel like it was the best move that could have um, been possible. Um, and so uh, that's that's kind of an interesting story because I feel like um, in my business, especially when I 
did begin to formulate products, I felt like I came up against so many brick walls constantly. Like, you know, all the time I would almost be to the end of a formulation and then the lab would turn around and say, oh yeah, but we can't do that. And it's like, oh my gosh. And so I have to start over somewhere else. So um, I think, you know, one thing that was big in my business, I guess, is um, perseverance and persistence and not giving up um, because there were a lot of roadblocks that I came across that were like that um, and a lot of things that are out of my control or even out of my knowledge base um, but finding people and ways to you know figure it out in the end you know everything is figure outable um, and that was uh, I think it still continues to be um, something that as the business grows we always come across more and more issues, more and more problems. And sometimes they get bigger as the business gets bigger, but you just always have to remember like, okay, you've gotten over this roadblock, you can get over the next one. Yeah, there's definitely um, value and positivity as an entrepreneur and business owner, right? Because as you mentioned, sometimes the problems get more complex and difficulty, but if you have that positive mindset, you can fix those. But what's interesting, I mean, as you were speaking, I mean, I'm really curious to ask your background just with all these things, because when you go into product, you know, I, I'm in the service industry, so so there's one aspect to that. But when you're in the product industry, you know, you have to start thinking about manufacturing, you know, distribution, you know, marketing, sales, conversion, you know, branding the name. And so there's all these elements because now you have to source the product, you have to sell the product, you have to distribute it, you have to label it. So did you have history with that? Did you have experience with that? Did you figure it out as you went? I mean, how do you incorporate all those little details in different industries and, and to be where you are today? Oh my gosh. No, I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about it other than the products that I had sold at the spas or the, um, the Medi spas that I'd worked at. And so when I began this journey, um, I, I had some amazing mentors over the years who kind of guided me, um, more in like an ingredient, um, knowledge base. And from that, I was introduced to a couple of labs that I could work with, um, with the chemists there to formulate the products. And um, I really knew nothing other than my hands-on knowledge of, okay, I like this ingredient at this percentage because it does this, but I need it to couple with this. So it's, it was kind of like a loose uh, knowledge. And so they would guide me to help create like a completed formula. Um, and I, I like to call my products my babies because from about start to finish, they take about nine months to formulate between wow. um, R&D and then, you know, poly control and, you know, the testing that they do and stuff like that. So it's a process. Um, but I knew nothing about that. I mean, even down to um, like labels, um, I joke that, you know, how they say that, you know, what Steve Jobs and Wozniak started in, you know, their their garages. Well, I started in my carport because <laughs> I printed the labels initially on my home printer. And then I had to go down and spray them with sealant so that they uh, would be waterproof down in my carport. So, um, but, you know, over time, like I said, just sort of with networking and asking around, um, I'm, I think one of my biggest skills is I'm a big observer of things and I'll, I'll watch and wait and see how it pans out for other people before I might jump into um, something. 
um, you know, whether that be like a new ingredient that's out on the market and how does that actually pan out? Because um, a lot of them don't. They're just very trendy and, and it's, you know, as women, we have, I like to call shiny ball syndrome and we like anything that's new. And, and you know, what I've learned over the years is what has always worked will always work. Um, and so sometimes we have to, you know, um, disengage from all of like the new shiny things that they keep coming out with, you know, because in the end, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. If they work, they work. And if they don't, they don't. But um, so, you know, one thing I'm starting to dabble into just to help it grow my knowledge is um, taking a cosmetic chemistry course so that um, I can hopefully have educated uh, conversations with my chemist to improve our formulas even more. But all of this, like you would ask, you know, did I did I know any of this? Did I have any, um, you know, experience? And you know, the answer is no. You just kind of find these paths, these avenues, and you know, take on the projects where you can, and and ask for help. So. No, that's great advice. I think asking for help, you know, that we mentioned earlier in this conversation was really important, building that network. And you were fortunate to have some very successful people in your network that could help you through the process. So if I were Brad and I'm starting my company today and I have my product, you know, what would be the first step? You know, you talked about even now as you've been more refined, you're taking a cosmetic chemistry class, you know, to have a little bit more of the lingo as you're working with your chemist and R&D. You know, if I were to start a product, you know, how... I guess, how did you find manufacturing? How did you find distribution? And then, of course, were you running all your marketing? You know, what comes first, I guess, in that process? Hmm. Well, um, you know, if if it were somebody new, I would say, you know, start small um, and, you know, start with, you know, I started with one product and um, I only grew my business as much as I had cash flow because I've never taken a loan out on my business or anything. So I've always worked with what I've got. Um, but I was going to ask you that. So you had, you know, how did, did you find private money? Did you go to the bank? And so for you, you just started with what you had and, and started building very conservatively all the way up. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't back when I started the business, I guess I didn't even think that you could go to a bank to get a loan or, or ask for that. And quite frankly, I was, I was a little terrified because what if it didn't work? I don't want to be owing people all this money, but you know, I, I did start slow. Um, I, I did, um, ask lots of questions. And I also, I mean, the biggest thing for me is, is that, and I think part of the reason I hit brick walls a lot is, is I wouldn't settle, you know, there's, um, there's definitely an easier, um, cheaper way to go about manufacturing skincare products but because um, of the parameters that i have on my products and why they work so well every time is because of the ingredients that are in them and also the ingredients that i will not allow to be in them um, you know just like any uh, industry the beauty industry is really run by um, some big companies like you know Estee Lauder, L'Oreal, the, they own so many smaller companies that you wouldn't even believe it but they also are the driving force behind what raw materials labs will have on hand and um, a lot of times those won't work for me so I have to you know find other ways to get it done so never skimping on the quality just to you know say you have a product I don't think that there's longevity in that. Um, that's important to me as well. And I think for any business, you know, your quality is 
outstanding. <laughs> so, um, and I know that that's part of what makes you so successful. So. Well, thanks, Amy. It's interesting because what I like that you said, you start slow, don't settle, right? And and one thing is, is even as you're a young company, you know, you have one product, you know, you're going to grow, it takes time, but you had a vision, you had a vision to where you're going to be. And so you wouldn't take the shortcuts, you wouldn't, you know, deviate from that vision and that perspective. And I think that's true for any company. I look where we were when we started AFT, you know, we were price similar, we're doing small projects, we knew where we were going to be in five years, we just didn't have the resume yet. We didn't have the products. We didn't have all the accessories, right? Kind of as you're mentioning. But from a marketing perspective, we understood, okay, we're going to paint the picture of some key things that we're doing that's going to attract our customer base. And I think that's really important that you've done is, you know, you start building your base and then you can now leverage that and you can build on that. Don't jeopardize the quality, keep that there. You know, so with that said, you know, how does, you know, one of the difficulty things or most difficult things, you know, for you is understanding, okay, how do I track my conversion cost per customer, right? How am I tracking, you know, sales and, you know, all the marketing we're leveraging. So, so how do you do that now that your company has grown so much? Well, um, my amazing husband, Kirk, I would <laughs> call him our CFO. He's really sort of the money guy, which is great because money is not my forte at all. Um, <laughs> But um, so he's really, really good at tracking our numbers, our sales, um, you know, and and, uh, you know, seeing, you know, when and where we can invest in different things, whether it be marketing, our website, you know, more product, whatnot. Um, also, um, we have an amazing social media team, too, is able to kind of give us the stats on, you know, how is our marketing efforts panning out Um if we're, you know, having any ads that are running, you know, what is our um, return on our ad spend? Um, so we keep all of those things um, in mind. And also we're um, highly aware of them today, especially as the business has grown, because, you know, uh, I think that people can spend a lot of money on on things that maybe aren't panning out. And so if you're not paying attention to those numbers and, and if they're actually working for you, um, you know, I think that that can definitely be the demise of a, a company for sure. Um, but I feel, I feel like between the team that's sort of managing that, they, we've got a really good handle and a good eye on um, what does work for us and, and you know what doesn't, quite frankly. Well, that means you're a good CEO, right? Because good CEOs understand what their strengths are, what they're good at, and what <laughs> they're not good at, and the things they're not good at, they delegate and let someone who's better right. And, mm -hmm. and I've seen that in my company. There's some things that I'm just not as good as uh, our team. And so those are ones I should pass off like as quick as possible. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, you talked about marketing and some of the ads you're doing and, you know, uh, you know, through some of the platforms. Are there any platforms you have found that work better for your brand and company? You know, whether they be Facebook or Instagram, what are some of the ones that you've seen more success on? Um, for us, I would say definitely Instagram, um, Facebook, you know, a good second. Um, we did actually just stop doing um, Google ads. They weren't performing as well for us. Um, I think it's more of the personal connection with people that is the, the driving force with our brand. Um, it's always interesting, too, for us that anytime that I post a uh, something about me personally, picture of me, or especially me and Kirk, it's like we get so much engagement. So I think that people really like the fact that, you know, there is, there's actually 
somebody behind the brand, somebody they can communicate with. Um, and so I think that's why like social media traditionally works so well for us. Oh, I can see that for sure. I mean, when you look at some of these other major brands that you mentioned earlier, you know, they don't have that personality, you know, because of their size of the company. Whereas you at Emmy Diane, you know, you can be a little bit more behind the scenes of showing Emmy Diane and the personality which draws people because there's, you know, one thing it's relatable, right? You have relatable content. And I love that you share that because job costing in any profession is really important to understand what does this job cost us at the end of the day? How much time did we put into it? You know, and we have to do the same thing with our marketing campaigns. Where are we diversifying our marketing efforts? Are we putting them in print media? Are we putting them in social media? You know, are we put them in our website? And then how are we tracking those leads and follow up to know are these good dollars spent? So I'm sure that's something that um, that you're spending a lot of time evaluating, especially at you know, with all the different products you have out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how do you scale? You know, you you started, you had one product, you know, when do you make that decision? Okay, I think we're ready for product number two and three. And now let's make this scalable. You know, how did that process take place? Um, well, I mean, back when I started the business, it wasn't ever the the products weren't ever supposed to be anything more than what I just gave to my clients who I saw in person in my little skin studio. Um, but, you know, as the, the success of the business grew and I saw how much it helped clients, this, it kind of happened to me. Um, it wasn't the game plan, but um, our reach became much bigger because I had a client who had a, um, cousin who lived in another state and had problematic skin and said, Hey, could you help her? And I said, I I don't know. We could try like, let's have her send me some pictures and, you know, I'll I'll send her what skin regimen I want her to follow. And um, so that's really how the sort of like um, consultation online and long distance started because she had fantastic results, which actually blew me away. I asked her, I was like, what have you been doing? And she (laughs) said, exactly what you told me. And I said, it worked. (laughs) So, um, so that's kind of how that came about because then I realized, okay, you know, if I give them the right guidelines and tell them what to do, we can do this worldwide, which is actually what we do today. I believe we ship to um, like 16 or 17 different countries at this point. Um, a little bit more difficult with COVID because the shipping is taking forever. But um, but the beauty in it is, is that I, I actually don't have to physically see touch someone's skin in order to make that change and difference, which is um, awesome. Um, so that from a scalability standpoint is sort of how our reach became um, broader. Uh, from a product standpoint, um, you know, when I first started out, I don't, I don't think that I gave much thought to, you know, when is it time to launch a new product? I, ju- I really just knew I could envision all the products that I needed in order to do my job. And so as I had the money, I just went for it. So today I think we're a little bit more thoughtful (laughs) in that process. But um, back then I just, you know, I, 
I think nothing could have stopped me back then. Um, so. So what's interesting, I mean, you kind of have two uh, versions, or I, I should say two arms of the company, right? Because so you have the product side, right, that you're selling, and it's retail. People can go purchase, which is pretty straightforward that most of us understand. But what's really hard is to scale the consulting side, the you know the customer service side, because there's time vested from you. But one thing you've done is you figured out, okay, I don't have to see every everybody in person. I don't have to have them in my office, you know, because that'll take time. You know, I can I can do it remotely, and so that's going to expedite, especially now with Zoom and Skype and these different. You know, it, it, it's easy to have those conversations from afar. But how do you manage the consultation part? Because you know, from a construction perspective and design perspective, if people are inquiring, you know, you could spend all week vetting leads, right? Going and visiting projects to realize, hey, we're not a fit. This isn't good for us. Whereas, you know, it's a lot easier if we have a list of questions that I can quickly vet someone over the phone to make sure we're the right fit. You know, how do you do that for someone with skincare? Is there a fee to do the consultation? Because Otherwise, you may just be spending a lot of time, you know, on things that may not produce sales, right, which is the goal there and to help, you know, your your clients at the end of the day. So how do you manage that consultation process? Good question. So, um, you know, when we have a consultation in person with somebody, um, you know, I, I always make sure that I have our questionnaire sent to them ahead of time, not just, I guess, to vet out that it's a problem that I can help with, but also so that I'm prepared um, on what I need to share with them. Um, so I suppose that would be sort of the, the vetting um, process. You know, I will say honestly, like I don't feel like there's really any skin issues that I can't solve short of like, you know, if something's like skin cancer, absolutely mm-hmm. outsourcing that. Um, yeah. Or randomly I'll get like strange, you know, rashes on the body, which, you know, then that would go to a dermatologist, but more or less, you know, any sort of, um, skin condition that somebody has, we can treat. Um, so when I started the business and it was, um, all in-person consults, I do charge for that and did charge for my time. And, um, when I did begin to treat people long distance, it would be via, um, phone or Skype. And I, I would charge um, a fraction of the consult fee again for my time. But then I realized that, um, as much as I loved having these conversations with clients on the phone, I always had to follow up with a long email with all the information we had just gone over. And in the end, clients are able to retain the information a little bit better via email because they can always go back to it. So um, as my books uh, filled up and I, I really didn't have any time or spots for long distance consults anymore, it all turned into um, email. And that way I could get back to it you know, um, over time. And I found too that I, I'm still very thorough with it all, but I'm able to kind of get a consult done in about 10 minutes as opposed to an hour um, being spent with them. Um, and just as the business now has grown, as we've scaled, we now have the consult form online, which makes it much easier for the client uh, to fill out all the information, upload their pictures, um, as well as a check-in form. Um, and you know, when, when it's not something that's taking up my time one-on-one, um, I actually, I don't charge for the consults. And part of the reason is, is that I personally feel like, um, people have a right to have the information that they need to know about their skin. 
Um, and, you know, I wrote uh, the Acme Bible, which is uh, sort of a, a booklet that gives somebody who's suffering with acne all the information they need to know about, like what causes acne, what are all the triggers, what do you need to avoid, what do you need to do? It's about, I think it's like 18 pages long, um, so it's pretty in-depth. And a lot of people are shocked when they have a consult with me that I give them all this information for free. But again, you know, I think that I think that everybody deserves to have the information that they need in order to change their skin. And and I think too, um, the intention is really because I want to help them. This also gains their trust. Um, and I would say 99% of the time they become a client with me. Um, so. You know, I think vetting the clients, I think they're vetting me too. Yeah, right. <laughs> the biggest thing. So I think I, I see it from both sides. Like, can I help them? You know, chances are yes, but do they believe that I can help them, you know, too? Because most people do come to me saying the same thing, that they've tried everything and nothing works. So why should this work too? So I think I do things a little differently and, and maybe I give away the farm for free, but in the end, <laughs> actually served um, them well and it served me well too well it's interesting what you're doing is you're building repeat clients right because there's an investment from your side and so you know there's something to be said about you know we use the term loss leader but the investment you're gaining trust and that's a key word that you said is by gaining trust in the clientele that's how you gain repeat customers that's how word of mouth traction that's how you know that just that bandwidth and that ripple effect really has a big impact because you know as your vet I wouldn't even use the term vet, but as you're working with them and, and you've essentially refined that, what you've decided is, okay, if a client comes in and they're taking my time personally, yeah, there's going to be a fee involved. But if it's uh, an inquiry or something, you know, something in 10 minutes, our process is down packed. We can get them information. And, and, and I found the same thing in our industry that a lot of people call and say, hey, Brad, we need this done or this work done. And I'll see right away that my client is going to be in a much better position if I refer it to someone else or just say, here's the landscaper, the pool company that you want. You don't need me involved. You know, putting your client in the right direction, sometimes maybe it doesn't mean business for you, but it always ends up turning out a positive experience, which now that trust and, and, and things become reciprocated over time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, you know, I guess for you, Emmy, I mean, one thing that amazes me is, you know, you are able to get back to your customers within 48 hours. So how do you do that? I know that's one of your staples is you get back to them within you know, two days. So with the, the amount of leads and consultations and in- inquiries you have, you know, how do you streamline that process to get back to them so quickly? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I mean, that's a big reason I had to step away from the treatment room. But before that, it was just, oh, my God, I felt like I was working 24-7. Um, but, you know, I just, I set aside time in the morning and um, kind of, you uh, prioritize what I need to get back to and I watch and make sure my response time is quick um, for people. But I have, um, I sort of have systems and um, like templates and things like that that I use that help me to get the information to clients um, in the most concise way, um, but also to make sure that they receive everything that they need. Um, So I've I've just found that 
it's almost like tetrising things together, I suppose, if that makes <laughs> sense. Um, but, you know, a lot of times, though, I, I have to, um, I'm not able to use those templates, especially if I'm troubleshooting somebody that's having issues that are on the product already and stuff like that. So, um, but I think that it's one of those things that's over time I've been able to finesse it. And um, I'm so used to it now that it's second nature to me. Um, but I, I do make sure that I, I spend the first part of my day getting back to clients before I work on other projects and stuff like that. Because in the end, the, the, my clients are the most important to me, for sure. Um, and, you know, I know, especially if somebody is um, has an issue, you know, time is of the essence. Um, so, you know, that's, I think, why it's such a priority to me to make sure that we do get back to them in a timely manner. Yeah, responsiveness is super important. I think any company listening, the quicker you can respond. And what's interesting is a lot of these, um, even outside that, I mean, you're doing that out of your own goodwill, right, Emmy, mm -hmm. to build your business. But what's interesting is they're like Facebook, for example, and House. you know, these are apps that are tracking how quickly you're responding. Google, right, when people are inquiring about the business, you know, if you don't answer that question right away or have someone in your office doing it, they're tracking that and that responsiveness and and how you know, those analytics will affect you. And I think a lot of people don't realize that is that the quicker response, you know, if you can be quicker responding to all those questions, it helps your analytics with those apps. But what's more important is, as you mentioned, you know, it's getting back to the clients because the reason we're in business is because of our clients. You know, Emmy, so now that you've built this enterprise and you've evolved and, you, you know, you have all these different products and you have your systems down, you know, everything's perfect right <laughs> as always right it's business owners which we know is not the truth but you know you've you've gotten better over time you know so if you were to go back and you were to start emmy diane today you know what is something you'd focus on you know being a new business owner knowing what you know now i mean i would say first probably getting systems in place um because for the longest time um everything was just knowledge that came out of my head out of my mouth out of my fingertips like i didn't have anything written down anywhere and so it's sort of like you know like your grandmother has the most amazing recipes but nobody knows them because they're just yeah. in her head. so um, for me i was getting my brain on paper um not just from um you know a, a systems and processes standpoint but also um when i did bring the esthetician on you know i really had no training guideline or guidebook at all for her to follow because again it was all in my brain um i would also say um you know delegating and and uh, getting more help sooner um i think i I think I was in the treatment room a, a bit longer than, um, not that I should have, because I actually, I love it and I miss it on some levels for sure. Um, I miss my clients a lot, but I do, I did realize, and it kind of happened again to me with COVID because we were shut down for several months. And it was interesting to me that I was more, um, uh, I produced more um, and, we got a lot more done and sales increased and all this when we were shut down and I realized, okay, you know, I really need to focus, um, you know, in the business and, or on the business as opposed to just in the treatment room. Um, and so to me, letting go of the, the reins and, um, you know, trusting other people to, you know, carry on. Um, I think that was a big thing for me is, is learning how to trust other people. 
with my baby and I really have a great team. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. I couldn't have asked for better, better team than I have for sure. I love that you shared that, you know, it's the, the more successful business owners I speak with, it's always unanimous in the sense that they always say, I should have broke away sooner, right? I shouldn't try to do all the day-to-day and micromanage, not that you're a micromanager, but you know what I mean? You're involved in all the aspects of it. And what they say is, you know, to be successful as a company, the owner needs to focus on the business. They need to focus on protocol, on systems and processes, and then also business development and marketing, right? It's just the health of the business to grow and scale and, and be profitable. And then what needs to happen is they must delegate. They got to delegate. They got to trust their people and let them run and create that team where, you know, they can do that, where they can have people that they can assign and delegate. And now they can focus on the business. Such great advice. And so, you know, e-commerce has changed so much of many businesses. I'm sure yours, you know, and, and you mentioned that with COVID, you know, sales have gone up, which is kudos to you. That's amazing. You know, people probably realizing that, you know, the skin treatments and things they want to do. So how does e-commerce change your business? How do you capture that, you know, with all the different avenues that are out there and and competition for that matter? Yeah, I mean, total game changer for me, for sure, just simply because, um, you know, as a service provider, you know, I could only do what I could do in a day. So if my schedule was filled, um, you know, that's the max amount of money that I could make. And, you know, I, um, I, I'm a big like Tony Robbins fan. And I always remembered um, when I would go to some events long time ago, long before I started my business, he's always said, you know, different streams of income, you know, making sure you have those. And I didn't realize it until after the fact, when I did start um, selling product online, that now I do have a a second, um, you know, avenue or stream of income, you know, sort of in the same realm, but, you know, different. Um, and then when COVID hit, like I said, I mean, my goodness, I, um, I am, I, I don't know what I did right in this lifetime to have <laughs> been able to create that before COVID. Cause I still have, um, friends I'm from California and they're, yeah. they're all shut down again and friends and estheticians and, and, you know, people in the beauty world who are, you know, I'm not even quite sure how they're making it at this point. Um, but I think my lucky stars that I did go that route when I did. Um, but it is definitely a, um, it, it is a different uh, business model. And again, one that, you know, I didn't really know much about. So um, I had to, you know, jump into it and learn and, and grow um, as, you know, we, we grew. Um, so, you know, the e-commerce side is, is super interesting in the sense of, um, you know, the reach is so much greater. Um, but I would say in comparison to other brands that are out there, um, selling product, you know, we're, we're still, I would say smallish cookies compared to most of the brands out there. And, um, just because of the way that we do things, I'm absolutely okay with that. And I like growing small, like small increments as opposed to like large jumps overnight because we lose all of the, um, we would lose the heart and the soul of the business, quite frankly. Um, yeah. So. And I love that you shared that. I mean, I mean, you talked about diversification and different streams and, you know, from brick and mortar, right? Brick and mortar behind you, you know, the building and then the service side, the consultation side, the product side. So you're in, 
these different areas, you know, they can build the business. And so, you know, not saying this lightly again, I mean, your, your journey is amazing. I mean, just how you've um, really taken advantage of and really um, pursued, you know, different opportunities and made the best of, you know, every situation you've been put in. And it's never perfect, right? That entrepreneurship journey, you know, how has that been for you? You know, was, were there ever times where you felt like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to pan out. I need to maybe change my career, do something else. You know, I'm, I'm sure that that may have happened. At least that's happened to me. So I'm sure I could relate. But were there ever times you doubted maybe the process there? And but yet you still stuck to it? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I wanted to like throw in the towel like so many times um, before. But I think what kept me going, at least in the beginning, is that um, my my clients, um, you know, they were so loyal to me and they, you know, I felt like it was almost like they knew that they needed to say something. But if I was having a really bad day and just not feeling great about myself or the business or what I'm doing for people that someone would, you know, chime in and tell me like how this has changed their life or whatnot. Um, so, but, you know, I would also, um, say that, um, you know, one thing that I, I feel like I shared this somewhere else before, but, um, the imposter syndrome where, um, you know, almost people are going to find out I'm not as great as they think that I am, or, you know, maybe I'm not helping as many people as, as, you know, I, I think that I can. And that, especially in the beginning was huge for me because when, um, when dealing with problematic skin, it's not just a, you, um, have horrible skin and now it's all amazing. There's sort of these um, ebbs and flows of, uh, you know, the skin going through like a purging phase or whatever. And so, you know, I remember there would be days where like all of the clients, they're just problems constantly. And I would think to myself, like, who are you to think that you can help them, you know? And you know, that was an internal struggle that I had to deal with a lot where, you know, I had to take everything, you know, with a grain of salt, we're going to get through it. And we always did, but, um, it definitely would kind of knock me down a bit. Um, and so that was one of the things that was a, a big hurdle or a big struggle for me too, is just, um, you know, making sure that, um, you know, I, I stayed true to who I am and what I knew you know, we could do, um, as opposed to kind of letting that, that those negative thoughts get in the way. Um, but there's, you know, there's always struggles for sure with business. But I think, you know, just taking a deep breath and, you know, picking it up the next day and keep moving forward. Yeah. I love that you shared that. I mean, it's real. I think by you sharing just the sensitivity there, we can all relate that, you know, that self-doubt or the imposter syndrome, like, am I really making a difference? Am I really, you know, qualified? And, it, you know, not that you're not qualified, but sometimes we have that self-doubt and they keep on. So what what tips would you have? You know, I want to be sensitive to your time, Emmy. You know, for me or anybody listening, you know, if we're out golfing, out in the summer, you know, what tips would you have for listeners as far as little things they could do to keep their skin, you know, healthy, and you know protected 
Well, definitely in the summer and for golf, sunscreen <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, you know, that's a given, I'm sure. Um, but it, it does amaze me, you know, how many people still, you know, forget about that. So, you know, just making sure you apply and reapply your sunscreen constantly. Um, I would say to, you know, if, uh, well, you know, this, it would be different from, um, you know, if it's a man or a woman or their age or whatnot. But, you know, I would say if you are struggling with something on your skin, reach out to a professional. Um, you know, with the beauty with, you know, social media is, is that you can hear um, tips and tricks and like what to do for any problem, like both sides of the fence. And a lot of times, you know, there's either one side so I would always say like instead of just relying on you know what you hear out there in social media ask a professional and work with somebody um you know that would be another big skin tip that I would have uh, drink lots of water um you know follow a skin routine twice daily if possible so yeah I love that well, we don't want to give away all the secrets, right? But I think, you know, thanks for sharing some of those with us. And then, you know, what do you, what's upcoming? What are you excited about, Amy Diane? That that's upcoming for you? Oh gosh. Um, well, you know, we're always working on new product formulas, so that's it. That's a given. I would say too, you know, just um, you know, finding more people to help and and sharing this with others. I think the biggest thing is our word of mouth. Um, and experiencing it yourself and sharing with others. So that's one thing that um, continues to be something that excites me. Um, but, you know, we're going to keep trudging this road and um, helping as many people as we can. So, well, that's amazing. Well, I can say uh, that is true uh, immediately in my household as well as uh, many of my client base and those I network with throughout Scottsdale and all throughout Phoenix are fans of you and use your product. And so where can our listeners find you for anyone looking at, um, you know, reaching out to Emma and Diane and getting that consultation, you know, where can they find you? Some of your social media handles, website, so forth. So our consultation form is on the website. It's just www.emmydiane.com. Um, I'm Emmy Diane on Facebook, on, uh, on Instagram. Um, and you know, you can always email me too. So, uh, there's lots of ways to get in touch. So great, and we'll make sure that we have all of those in our handles here when we, you know, we launched the podcast. So, I mean, thank you so much for making time and and sharing that business insight and everything that you've learned throughout your journey uh, through entrepreneurship with us. Thank you for having me. So big thanks to Emmy Diane for making time to come on the podcast today, and just as follow up, you know, the importance there. We spoke about diver- diversifying your company, you know, making sure that you're strong in, in many areas, which will allow you to work through the ebbs and flows of product demand and, of course, business and sales. Marketing is key. How do we market that? How do we build a personality behind it? How do we um, gain that trust from our clientele? And, of course, she also gave some tips for sunscreen, which I know is something I probably should use more of, especially, you know, being outside in construction or on the golf course. Really important, you know, how we protect ourselves. Uh, but again, a big thanks to Emmy Diana. She's done a phenomenal job marketing her company and really showcasing why they do what they're doing, how they do it, creating that emotional journey. I know my wife's been a big fan of her and has used her product and, and speaks volumes about it. And the reason being is that Emmy Diana is, you know, she's she's utilizing this product. She's she's teaching 
others how to use it and how to uh, how they can quickly upgrade their life and when we bring value you know those pain points that we all have you know as, as she's solving those you know it's going to continue that 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 customer base so look how we can solve those pain points how we can bring comfort you know change people's lives and it'll make all the difference